Good morning, everybody. Why don't you grab your seats? Well, who was at Jubilee Reach celebration in the park last week? That was amazing. Several churches, I believe over 20 churches, canceled individual services so that we could gather as the Church of Bellevue in the downtown park. It was amazing, and they asked Pastor Amrith and I to brag about Kalos for 10 minutes, and we're like, that's easy, sure, we'll brag about what God is doing here to thousands of people in the heart of Bellevue with all the, bel- the buildings in the background. It was kind of surreal. It was amazing. I was like, wow, we're not even two years old as a church, but look at what God is doing. Look at this message, the beauty of Jesus, the unity amongst churches. Look at this great thing that we get to trumpet and herald for this community. I love it. I think God is doing something really special in our community, don't you? And so Jubilee Reach, thanks for being part of our serve day. We had our biggest uh, attendance yet as Kalos Church where we, we cleaned up Medina Elementary. It was amazing. Got teachers and the faculty ready. We, we painted. Anybody do some painting last Saturday as we cleaned up a school? Anybody find some young elementary just weird grossness under a table and had to scrape it off? Anybody have to put up some stuff or a second grade teacher on the wall and you're like, wow. I don't know all the information she's teaching these two-year-olds. I think they might be smarter than us. I'm a little intimidated, but I will use what I have to serve you, Lord. Anybody with me in that moment? (laughs) And so anyways, I just want to say thank you guys that we could make known the beauty of Jesus in such a tangible way. Yes, on the worship park moment, but also in the schools and the nitty and the gritty, getting dirty, making a difference. It's amazing. The, The principal, the vice principal, they just... They said over and over to all of us here at Kalos Church, thank you for taking time on a Saturday to care for our children in our city. Thank you for helping our teachers who just got back from vacation. They don't have a lot of time to get ready, but now they have more time to prep and have a little bit more ease as they enter into the school year. So can you give yourselves a round of applause? Come on. It was amazing. And so uh, I want to preach out of Matthew 12 this morning. And so why don't we read, starting in verse 46. While Jesus was still talking to the crowd, his mother and brothers stood outside wanting to speak to him. Someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. He replied to him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Pointing to his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers for Whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Let's pray. Dear Father, I pray that we wouldn't just be hearers of your word this morning, but doers in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. amen. Title of my message today is, The Church Isn't Like Family. So in this passage, Jesus is ministering. He's speaking Someone says, hey, your mother, your brother, they want to speak to you. And then he looks to the crowd. He doesn't interrupt himself. And he starts addressing them. And he says, hey, whoever does the will of the Lord, that's my mother. That's my brother. That's my family. And this is kind of a shocking statement as you look at the scripture. In fact, uh, I was texting Andrew Jennings about this scripture. And uh, I want you to see a screenshot of a conversation And so after Jesus says this in Matthew 12, 50, I ask Andrew Jennings this question. If you do the will of our Heavenly Father, you are the mother of Jesus. Do you agree? He's like, LOL, what? He said, do you agree? 100%. 100% agree or disagree? 
Agree. Wow. So you think you're the mother of Jesus? <laughs> Bro. Bro, are you kidding me? <laughs> but Jesus says, when you do the will of our heavenly Father, you are my mother. Let's unpack that so you all don't think and call each other Mary today. <laughs> and so I think in this moment, in this passage, Jesus is elevating the value of our spiritual family, our spiritual community. He doesn't put them in a position where they have to compete with each other, that they collaborate with each other, that they complete with one another. Yes, we have a biological family, and yes, we should not neglect our biological family for the sake of the ministry, but I think sometimes we can undervalue our spiritual community. And Jesus says, hey, these are my brothers. These are my sister. This is my mother. This is an important community. I, I was trying to look this up in the scriptures, and I think beyond the book of Acts in the New Testament scriptures, we see that the word disciple really isn't used, and it's replaced with the word brother past the Acts book in the New Testament, elevating that we are now brothers and sisters in Christ. In fact, in the New Testament, there's a lot of imagery about what is the church. The church is known as the body of Christ. Have you ever heard that? We are the body. We see that the church is known as the temple. We see that the church is known as the bride of Christ. Another image that's really prevalent in the New Testament is that the church is a household. The church is a family. In Ephesians 2.19, it says, So then, you are no longer foreigners and strangers. On the contrary, you are fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's family. And this is an image of the church. Rick Warren says it like this. When we place our faith in Christ, God becomes our father. We become his children. Other believers become our brothers and sisters. And the church becomes our spiritual family. The family of God includes all believers in the past, the present, and the future. Look at someone and say, we are family. We are family. Come on. <laughs> I remember as a, a new Christian in high school, my family at home was not very present. In fact, it was falling apart. And it was hearing that we have family as the body of Christ, as the church, as this spiritual community that gathers, I found great encouragement, anybody with me, knowing that, hey, my family might not be the most present, my family might not be the most positive, but I have an international family that spreads to every nation, tribe, tongue, every country. I'm part of something. I have a place where I belong, where I am loved, where I am cared for. When I first started going to Celebration Church in Minnesota, it was a country singing church where we worshiped with country music every single Sunday. And that's where I became a Christian. God used country music to save my soul. Anybody with me? <laughs> Anybody against me? <laughs> You're like, that's the devil's music. <laughs> I, I would go to this church, and I, I remember people would say, hey, Pradeepan, because I, I was like a 14, 13-year-old, and I would show up every Sunday, every Wednesday, every Sunday night, and I would just come alone. It was just me. My siblings never came with me. My parents never came with me. When I was first, like, entertaining the idea of Jesus. And people would say to me, Pradeepan, I am so glad you're here at Celebration Church. And I just want to let you know, your family. And it meant the world to me, your family. 
I love you. I believe in you. God's got a great plan for you. And I said, okay, if I'm family, I'm coming over. And so I would just <laughs> invite myself over to people's houses, eat their food, uh, watch their cable television. It was exciting, exciting to be alive. There's one friend in particular, you probably met him. He's one of the missionaries we support here as Kalos Church, missionary to Japan, Ben. Ben Block. I used to go to his house all the time, and this was in the late 90s. And this is when Starbucks was first coming to be world famous, and there are these individual bottles of Frappuccinos. You know what I'm talking about? And those things were expensive. They're still expensive, but back then, we were not used to expensive coffee. We were still in a Folgers generation. We did not want to spend more than 40 cents for a drink of coffee. Anybody still with me on that? You know, like three, four, five dollars, six dollar coffee. Like that was unheard of back then, at least in Minnesota. And so I would go to Ben Block's house and he had a special fridge that his family stocked with these vanilla frappuccinos. I couldn't believe it. And they would say, hey, your family, you have fridge rights. You can help yourself to anything. Every time I went to their house, which was honestly like two times a week, I would get two to three Frappuccinos. <laughs> and I just went to town. I'm like, this is amazing. And finally, his parents confronted Ben. <laughs> and uh, Ben's like, hey, bro, I got to talk to you. Uh, you got you to gotta cool it with these Frappuccinos. I was like, bro, come on, we're family, <laughs> right? Isn't this what family does? And then pretty soon our family started to bond and Ben Black would come over to our house and eat curry and he would eat curry even when I wasn't there and just eat curry and eat more. And I was like, bro, you got to slow down with all this curry. <laughs> He's like, come on, man, we're family. I'm like, you got me, <laughs> you dirty dog. <laughs> and uh, that's why the title of my message today is the church isn't like family. The church is family. And when we act like family, we treat each other differently with fridge rights. We open our homes and our hearts to one another. And I, I just have this fear, even as Kalos grows larger, we're over doubling the size where we were last year. And as I've seen churches grow, sometimes I, I feel like our community can become more corporate than family. Our community can get a little robotic and rigid, and that's not what we want. That's not what we feel the scripture calls us to gather for. We are meant to be God's family, where we are caring for one another, where we can forgive one another, love one another, where we can have each other's backs, know each other's stories, pains, celebrations, where we can have inside jokes, where we can read each other's body language and know how to answer the need before it's even asked. I mean, this is the kind of spiritual community we want, but as we grow larger, as we can fall into this trap of becoming more corporate, we start to see the symptoms as soon as our Sunday morning gathering is dismissed, we're out the door. We want to beat the rush. We, we get our validation ticket fast so that we can get out of the parking garage first, or, or we, we show up late intentionally, or we, we don't prioritize friendships and relationships, and we come here for a long time, but it doesn't feel like we know anybody on a heart level. We're just going through the motions, and I, I don't think that's what we're called to be. We are called to be the family of Christ. And this whole idea of family can be encouraging for some of us, especially if you're like me, where you felt like your family just wasn't there, it wasn't a positive experience, and you're like, thank God I have a place where I can belong, where people actually see me and care about me and value me. For some of us, that's encouraging. For other of us, it's like, 
I don't have time to even be there for my current family. How am I supposed to make room for all these people all over the world? And it's kind of like, oh my goodness, this is intense. I have two families I have to take care of. And I really want to emphasize and create some practical steps for all of us where we can foster a sense of family at Kalos Church. You know, there's this, uh, there's this story, as I get into my first point, of being consistent. So if you want to know where I'm going in this message, I'm going to answer the question, uh, how can we foster a sense of community at Kalos Church? I'm going to talk about being consistent. I'm going to talk about caring. And I'm going to be talking about being Christ-centered and Christ-following. And the first thing I want to say is being consistent by showing up for one another. There's a story I, I read the other week about this, uh, this man in Kenya who had grown up as a Muslim his whole life, and he decided to follow Jesus. And in deciding to follow Jesus, his family had a hard time with it and ended up disowning him, kicked him out of the house. He had no place to live. He didn't know what to do, so he reached out to a local Christian church, and they said, hey, we will carve out some room in our church building where you can live, where you can get on your feet, where you have a, a safe harbor, a safe place to be while you get on your feet. And so he, he started going to that church, attending their Sunday morning gatherings, and during the week, he would live in a little bed in a, like a closet in the back of the church that they cleared out for him, and he, he loved attending to this church. He loved worshiping, hearing the message, participating in the sacraments, things like communion, but he said the hardest part of him during this journey of finding a new family was that on Sunday mornings, after everybody worshiped, after everybody praised the Lord, encouraged, inspired by a message. After a Sunday morning service, everybody would leave the church building and go to their houses, and he was never invited. And he had just this spiritual experience with all these people, but he was never invited into this intimate fellowship of the family of God. So he had spirituality, he had service, he had sacraments, but he didn't have the intimacy of a family. And many of us might feel that way today. I've been going to Kalos Church a long time, but I don't feel intimacy. I don't have connection. And I believe one of the best ways practically, point number one, for us to create connection as the family of God is by being consistent, by showing up. In Acts 2, this is kind of the blueprint of the first church that ever existed in history. It says, with one accord, they continued to meet daily. Everyone say daily. They continued to meet daily in the temple courts and to break bread from house to house, sharing their meals with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I like that they were meeting daily, that they were meeting in the temple courts, a larger gathering just like we are here our temple of the Hilton Garden Inn, but they didn't just meet in the big gatherings, they met in the small gatherings. As they grew larger, let's be honest, the first church that ever existed in history was thousands of people. If you read the book of Acts on the day of Pentecost, in one moment, suddenly, the church is filled with people from all over the world, people of different languages, thousands of people. The first church was a mega church, and they realized, hey, we need to have a smaller gathering beyond this huge international gathering in the temple courts. We need to break bread. We need to go house to house. And so they, they met 
daily. Could you imagine the kind of intimacy we would have if we met daily with one another? I mean, honestly, many of us have been going to church a long time. How many of you have opened up your house to people from the church? Have you broken bread? Have you been consistent? Have you invited people into these intimate moments in your life? In Hebrews 10.25, it says this. Don't stop. Don't stop meeting together with other believers. Which someone I've got in the habit of doing. All right, sorry. Uh, Don't stop meeting with the other believers, which some people have gotten into the habit of doing. Instead, encourage each other, especially as you see the day drawing near. And I just think, especially in our our FOMO, inconsistent culture, where we kind of hold up for something better, where we don't want to commit until the last minute, inconsistency is something that's killing our community. And we can get into the habit of not meeting together with other believers and encouraging one another. Some of us are discouraged in our faith simply for the fact we're not getting in environments consistently where we are encouraged in our faith. And uh, I don't know. I, I, I meet with a lot of people, and they say this all the time to me, Pastor Pradeep, and I just, I just don't feel connected to the church. I said, I'm so sorry. I don't want people to fall through the cracks. We really want this to be a place where you can belong, even if you don't believe. We want this a place where you can not just experience a friendly church, but a church of friends. And we do our best. We can't force people to make friends, but we can do our best to create environments where friendships are possible, where organic relationships can be provoked. And so let me ask you, are you attending Sunday mornings uh, consistently? Well, I, I come like once a month. Okay, so you come to this gathering 12 times a year and you don't feel connected? Interesting. Okay. Are you part of a small group, like leading one or just showing up to one? No. Okay, so you're not connecting with people, with the small groups that we offer at Kalos Church and you don't feel connected? Interesting. All right, are you on the dream team? Are you serving in the trenches with the volunteers of Kalos Church? You know, because that's where a lot of people find community as they endure adversity. Are you on the dream team? No. Oh, and you don't feel connected? (coughs) Interesting. Okay, well, hey, what about just organically? Like in the last six months, have you invited anybody from the church into your house or to go out for coffee? Uh, No. Oh, and you don't feel connected somehow? Interesting. It seems very logical when I lay it out like that, right? But for so many of us, I think we've forgotten that just showing up is usually a building block for friendship and community. It's like when you go on a trip with someone, you become friends with them. I mean, honestly, some of the best things we could do to forge friendship at Kalos Church is just go on a road trip with one another. Climb a mountain with someone. Like, do something consistently. Sure, I I found this, that sometimes love is spelled T-I-M-E, right? Love is spelled T-I-M-E. It's when we show up for one another, when we care for one another. And I I totally believe in the the sacraments, the celebration, showing up on a Sunday morning. But this is not the best place to facilitate community on a Sunday morning. It's too fast. It's a celebration. It's an easy invite for people who are new to faith. But it's not a place that necessarily fosters deep conversations. It sparks deep conversations that you take outside of this building. You know, with with my family, 
if I only showed up for my son at the big moments of life, like, hey, you're getting dedicated at church, I'm going to show up, or hey, you're getting baptized, that's when I'm going to show up, or you're graduating high school, you'd probably say I was an absent father, right? What makes me a good father is that I'm with my son daily. I'm with him in the mundane times, but that is quality time. Most of the time, quality time is not very different than quantity time. It's just showing up, being there, being present, being available. And I, I know there are a lot of needs here, and sometimes on a Sunday morning, we'll share with someone, yeah, how are you doing? Well, I'm going through this, I'm going through that, I could use some help. And uh, we'll say, I'll, I'll pray for you. But when it comes to building community, showing up, being consistent, I want to challenge all of us to add I'll stay to I'll pray. I'll stay with you. I'm here for you. I will work through this problem with you. I will walk through the process with you. I'm not just going to pray for you. I'm going to stay with you. When someone vents with something that's difficult in their life, instead of saying, oh, dear, say, I'm here. Come on, somebody. That's good preaching. That's good preaching. You're convicted. (laughs) So consistency is a key to fostering community at Kalos Church. And I don't want to guilt anybody. I understand we all have lives and we go on vacations. I'm not guilting anybody. But if you're looking for connection, you have to show up. If you want people to find community, we all need to show up. Amen? Number two, if we want to foster a community at Kalos Church, a spirit of family, we need to be considerate. You know, Dietrich Bonhoeffer offers this advice. He says this, the person who loves their dream of community will destroy community. But the person who loves those around them will create community. And sometimes we we want to love the world, but we can't love our neighbor. We want to love the world, but we don't know the person who's sitting next to to us on our current row. And uh, I think our idea, our grand vision to change the world and to be a church that makes a massive difference can cause us to forget about the person who's literally next to us. And I've seen all the time, hey, you know what? The church is a clique. The church is filled with insiders and outsiders. The church should be this kind of community. It should be just like this. And it's like this ideal of community, how things ought to be, prevents us from loving the person next to us. Because we're judging the people in the church for not being good fosterers of community. And so we don't love them. (laughs) We hold them at an arm's distance. Hey, you're not good at community. You're not good enough. Like, how, how can we love them when we're stiff-arming them and judging them for being bad at the thing that we have not in our lives? Right. And I, I remember moving here to, to Bellevue and not having a lot of friends, like trying to start a church, trying to create community, but we, we didn't have. Remember our first meeting at Belden had like three new people there? It was very very discouraging and so we thought okay we're going to reach out to people on Facebook we're going to find to make we're going to try to make friends and I, I found this guy in uh, a park and he said hey I, I lead this networking group for young professionals in in Seattle and he said hey do you want to come to an event I'm throwing where I'll just introduce you to all the young professionals of Bellevue and I was like yes 
I'd love to go there. So we, so we went to this, uh, uh, I think it's called Blue Sushi in downtown Bellevue, where they have that conveyor belt. Is it called Blue Sushi? <coughs> yeah. Blue C? Yeah. Blue, oh, they closed it? Oh, oh boy. Rest in peace. <laughs> they put it out to sea, huh? <laughs> All right. Uh. <laughs> so anyways, I go, I go to the sushi place, and uh, there's all these young adults, young professionals from Seattle, and it, it's meant just for making friends and networking. And the thing is, it was filled with, like, a lot of brown people, right? And, like, smart, like, software programmer, engineer brown people, like, from India, who are very good at computers, but this specific group, not very good with people, right? And so I'm, I'm trying to start a lot of conversations with these people, and they're looking for jobs, right? They're hoping to meet like their next boss or someone that can get them an interview. And so they're excited to meet me. And they're like, hey, what's your name? I'm like, Pradeepin. They're like, oh, sweet. They're like, what do you do for a living? I'm like, uh, pastor? They're like, oh, <laughs> I, you can't hire me. <laughs> and like, I started to see that people were kind of like afraid to talk to me. <laughs> and it was getting more and more awkward. And uh, I'm trying to like meet people because I want, I want to build a launch team to start a church and a comedy club and you know, they're wanting jobs, and so I remember I talked to this one guy, and it was kind of intimidating meeting all these new people, because nobody really wanted to talk to me, and so I, I meet this guy, and we're talking, and he's, like, interested, we're hanging out, and then he says, what do you do for a living? I, I say, I'm, I'm a pastor, and I'm not making this up. He, he immediately says to me, oh, well, nice to meet you. I think I'm going to go uh, diversify my conversations now. <laughs> That's the most weird way of saying I'm going to talk to other people. <laughs> it was just, it was, I just felt like so many people were in it for themselves yeah. and not really considering what other people are going through. Yeah. And in, in church, I, I've, I've seen this a lot as a pastor. Someone might be put together, smiling, but you never know the kind of pain someone is walking through. You just never know. People walk in. People maybe we've known for a long time. And you just, you have to consider one another. You have to care and think about someone else from their perspective. And I, I think a lot of times we come to church when we're hurting and we have needs. And then we get healed up. We get restored. Maybe we came to a church because we were lonely. And then we find friendships, and then we realize we don't have to participate in the life of the church anymore because we have friendships, and then we create our own circles that meet outside of the thing that healed us. Does that make sense? It's like, hey, I, I was part of that church. I got my friendship. Maybe I found a girlfriend. I found my spouse. Maybe I found a boyfriend, or maybe I finally found my friends, and now I don't have to show up on Sunday anymore. I don't have to be part of a small group. I don't have to volunteer, and I'm not really seeing that here at Kalos Church, so I'm not judging, but I've been part of many different churches, and that, that is something I've seen a lot. I've gotten what I've needed, and now that I have it, I'm out, yeah. and I think I don't want to be crass, but that when that happens... We start treating the church less like the body of Christ and more like a prostitute. Less like the bride and more like a prostitute. Hey, I'm going in the church. I'm going to get what I need. And when I get what I need, I'm out. I came here when I was hurting. And now that I'm healthy, I'm not going to be there for those who are hurting. Some of us, we have community. We have family. We feel secure because we got married. We found someone in the church. And now we forgot about the people who started off like us. 
Have you ever been there? You get just so comfortable. When you first show up to a church, you, you notice all the people who you might be able to talk to because they're alone. Maybe they're, they're, there's an opening. There's something available. But then as we grow in our friendships, which is good, which is so fun, and we create our inside jokes, which is good. It's great. We have stories from the party last night. It is good. Uh, but then we, we just we have so much time for each other, we forget about those who don't know how to break in, for those who don't know how to make friendships. And we forget what it felt like to be on the outside looking in. And my question with this is, like, we need to love the church even when we're healthy. We need to love the church not only when it has something to offer us, but when we have something to offer the church. Where we consider that, hey, the people around me might be in need. Where we're not just inviting the same people into our house, but we're, we're bringing in the lonely into our houses. We're inviting not just the same people out to coffee. And I know it can be overwhelming. What do, what do I do with all these friendships? And that's one of the reasons why we have things like small groups. Because it, it makes it possible for people on the outside looking in to know how to get into someone's home. To know how to get into a community. To know how to make friendships. Where we are a church where we say, hey, we will take care of the wounded. We will take care of the lonely. We will love and have time for those who are annoying. We won't just love the people that make us comfortable. We will love the people who make us uncomfortable. Do you have any consistent friendships with people who maybe don't fill you up all the time? Will you love the church when you're healthy and not just when you need something? Point number three, when we want to create a sense of community at Kalos Church, I really believe that we need to be Christ-centric. Christ-centric. N.T. Wright says it like this, the church exists primarily for two closely correlated purposes, to worship God and to work for his kingdom in the world. The church also exists for a third purpose, which serves the other two, to encourage one another, to build one another up in faith, to pray with and for one another, to learn from one another and teach one another, and to set one another examples to follow, challenges to take up, and urgent tasks to perform. This is all part of what is known loosely as fellowship. So we gather, we worship God, we work as the church to serve the purposes of God, but also we encourage one another, we forgive one another, we provoke one another, we say, hey, follow Christ. We love Jesus. And our, our small groups, I want to let you know, we are launching small groups next week. They're starting on the 8th. And these gatherings, while they have a lot of hobbies and activities, our desire is not for them just to be social clubs. In fact, we ask every small group to do something called ESPN. We want you to encourage one another in every gathering. We want you to share a scripture in every gathering. We want you to pray for one another in every gathering. And we want you to help someone take their next step in following Christ in every season of small groups. Because we don't want to gather just for the sake of gathering. We want to provoke one another to follow Christ. Amen. I remember this last season, I had a, a Super Smash Brothers small group that met every Friday at my house. It was amazing. And we would have these little video game characters, and uh, sometimes I, it was awesome. It was a great environment where I could beat up a 15-year-old girl. It was amazing, right, Mac? 
though you beat me a couple times. <laughs> I mean, not many environments like that today in age, in this age. <laughs> and it was celebrated. It was a lot of fun. So we, we would beat up each other. we get fiercely competitive. we get mad. But then we would stop. Hey, let's pray for one another. What's going on in your life? And it was an awkward stop. It didn't flow naturally. We were, in, we're eating chips and we're playing video games, but we're like, this is not just a social club. And even though it was awkward, it started to become really fruitful. And we, we noticed this crazy reality. We threw a tournament every Friday, and something started to happen within the first three weeks of our small group. Every tournament winner had their prayer request answered that week. And so we started guaranteeing it. <laughs> For full disclosure, we do not think the Lord is a genie, but the last three weeks, every person who's won the tournament gets their prayer answered that week. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, and so it, it was like this, you know, it just, it's just video games. It's not super spiritual, but we would point each other to Christ. How can I pray for you? How can I be there for you? And not only would we pray for one another, we would practically say, oh, hey, I know this person that could probably help you with this job or maybe could hook you up with some housing here. And we became this, like, support system. And there, there was one guy in our group who didn't know anybody, really, at Kalo's church. He hadn't had a lot of church experience in his life. And now he's like, I, I feel so close to this community I have to invite people to my wedding when I wasn't planning on doing this before the small group. I just think that's amazing. Like, with something as silly as a Super Smash group small group, we could point someone to Christ. And it's as, as, it's as we look to Christ together, we find greater unity than better, better than ever. And that's why Jesus says, like, hey, who's my brother? Who, who's my mother? The one who does the will of the Lord. And it's this community that we tap into that's so amazing. I want to show you some of the small groups we have. If we could put this on the screen. And we have, I think, 14 small groups. And uh, uh, you can go to our website, kalos.church groups. And I just want to encourage you, go to that website sometime today, kalos.church groups. And you can click on a link that will show you 14 of our different groups. And sign up for that group so that they have your email and so that they can follow up with you, and they can get you part of being consistent so that you can care for one another and that together you can follow Christ as our spiritual community, as our spiritual family. So I'd encourage you, as this season starts, there are only 13 weeks, and there will be some sort of hobby. Maybe it's a Bible study. Maybe it's an activity. There will be a scripture read. There'll be a time of prayer. There'll be a time of just fellowship and hanging out in every group. We require that ESPN formula for all of them. But I believe this will be one of the most practical ways we can foster the sense of family at Kalos Church. And I, I want to close with this story. You know, I, I, uh, I saw this um, article, I think a number of years ago, and it, it gripped me. In fact, every time I read this story, even in sermon prep for this moment, I would tear up just thinking about this uh, reality. And can we put up this picture of this, this young lady? And uh, this teen, she turned to Craigslist to hire out a family to throw her a birthday party. And uh, I kind of want to read her ad. 
um, you can put up this ad, and she said this. I am currently a young female college student looking to rent a family that I can spend time with on my birthday in a few weeks. Weeks. I aged out of foster care, and since I was never adopted, I don't have a family to spend holidays or my birthdays with. I'm not a weirdo or anything. Um, I was just inspired by another girl that rented a family from Craigslist in California for the holidays. I just want one day that I can feel important and special and like I matter, even if I really don't. I've never had a good birthday, so I figure, why not this birthday? I'm not looking for any monetary support as I also work. I can pay $8 an hour. You know this? Can you put that picture up of her? Uh, This is where the church steps in. This is where the church steps in. This is where we join with what Psalm uh, 68.6 says, that God sets the lonely in families. And when I, when I see Craigslist, like, taking, like, this opportunity to help someone, I'm just like, that should be the church. We are called to set the lonely in families. And as, as Kalos Church grows larger, as our friendships grow deeper, which is so important, I don't want us to forget about those who have no family. I don't want us to forget about those who don't have community. And as we grow larger, we need to grow smaller, where we say, hey, there's always room for one more. I will throw a birthday party for you. Our small group will throw a birthday party for you. Our church will throw a birthday party for you. I mean, can you imagine writing out an ad like this girl? Her whole life, she didn't have a biological family in her corner. She went from foster home to foster home. Now that she's 18, she's suddenly in the real world without anybody who has her back. And, and like her desperation and her tears and their loneliness, the only place she knew to look out for that could possibly help her was Craigslist. Hey, maybe Craigslist can help me find family. Maybe Craigslist can help me fill this void in my life. Maybe Craigslist can help me feel like I matter. But no, this is why Kalos Church exists. We're going to make known the beauty of Jesus by saying, hey, you do matter. You don't have to wonder if you matter. You do matter. There is room for you at our church There's room for you at our small group. We're not just going to gather in our own groups and not have any opportunities for you to enter. Join our small group. Get on our website. There's room for you in our house. There's room for you in our activity. Even if I'm not leading a group, I'll attend a group for people like this to have relationships with people like me. That's our prayer. That's why we exist. That's why we're passionate about small groups. And I just want to thank you, Kalos Church, for making yourselves available for people in our community who are desperate to feel like they belong. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Father, thank you so much that you gave us a place, you gave us a family, that you are our heavenly father and you never abandoned us. You've never been an absent father to us, but you showed up consistently day in and day out. And Lord, I pray that we wouldn't be absent mothers. I pray that we wouldn't be absent spiritual fathers. I pray that we wouldn't be absent spiritual brothers and sisters, but Lord, that we would show up and care and point people to you, the healer of our souls the refresher of our hearts. 
Well, Lord, I pray that as we grow larger, we grow smaller. I pray that we wouldn't grow so corporate that we forget we are your family and we are brothers and sisters. We pray in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. So Kayla's Church, let's get involved with our small groups. And before I, 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 I transition off the stage and Pastor Amritha takes over, I realize there, there are people here, maybe you don't feel like you have God as your father. Maybe you feel like you, you haven't received the love of the father. Maybe you've run away. Maybe you didn't know. And I just want to let you know God loves you so much. He wants to give you a fresh start if you're stuck in death or shame or guilt. If you feel all alone in this world, I want to let you know that the love of God is with you. He will never forsake you. He will never leave you. He has an amazing plan for your life. And I'd love to lead anybody here in a prayer. If you're saying, hey, I want to give my life to God. I want to be part of God's family. I want to step into that. I want to receive forgiveness. I want a second chance. I don't want shame and death and guilt to crush me anymore. And so in a moment, I'm just going to lead us all in a prayer. And if you want to be included in that prayer, I'm not going to embarrass you or anything, but I'm going to just ask that you raise your hand. And I'll pray for you to walk in the family of God. So let's bow our heads and close our eyes. And if that's you, you're saying, Pastor Pradeep, would you include me in that prayer? I want to be in the family of God. I want a fresh start. I want a new beginning. I want forgiveness. I want to walk with God. On the count of three, lift up your hand. One, two, three. Just lift up your hand. Amen. You can put it down. I see your hand. Is there anybody else? You're saying, Pastor Pradeep, would you include me in that prayer? I want to receive forgiveness. I want a fresh start. I want to be in the family of God. Amen. Now let's pray this prayer all at the same time. Lord Jesus, I need you. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I open the door of my life and receive you as my Savior and Lord. Thank you for forgiving my sins. Take control of my life. I turn from my old ways and invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. In the name of Jesus, amen. Can we give Jesus a round of applause for life transformation? Hey, especially if you raise your hand.